Father, thank you so much that it is true that you're the only one who can take the broken, the ones without hope, the ones, us, when we seem like all is lost, and you can bring us to a place of hope and forgiveness and freedom. Thank you that that's what you do. That's the work of your son, Jesus Christ. That's the promise that you give us. And now in the next few moments, as we open the word of God, I pray that it will be your words that are heard and your son that is seen. I pray that I would be completely out of your way. Just use me to speak the truth that you would have us to hear this morning. I pray that your spirit would be free to minister to our hearts and to help us to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. There was a little boy who had an anger problem, and his father had been working with him, trying to get it so he wouldn't be so angry, and whatever happened in life, he would lash out at his siblings and his parents and at school. And it seemed like no matter what their father did, uh, his son still struggled with anger. And so one day his father uh, grabbed a hammer and a bag of nails and he told his son, he said, every time that you're angry, I want you to go out to the fence and I want you to drive a nail in the fence. And so his son did that and the first day he went through half a bag of nails and just angry little guy. And as the days went by, he kept hammering in the nails. But as the days went by, it was fewer and fewer nails that got hammered into the fence. And finally, he ran out of nails and he came to his dad and he said, Dad, I, I haven't had to go out to hammer any nails in, but also I've run out of nails. And his dad said, okay, what I want you to do now is, is every time you realize that something happened and you didn't get angry about it, I want you to go out and I want you to pull a nail out. And so that's what he did. Every time something happened and he didn't get angry about it, he went out and he would pull a nail out. And after a period of time, a long time, he ran out of nails to pull out of the fence. And so he went back to his dad and he said, Dad, I have pulled all of the nails out of the fence. And so his father took him over to the fence and he said, I want you to look at the fence and tell me what you see. And, and he said, well, there's a whole lot of holes in the fence. And his dad said, yes, and that's exactly what happens when we get angry. We wound and we scar the people that we get angry with. And even when we ask for forgiveness, we leave a mark. I just told you a story this morning that had a moral truth tied to it. And in the book of Mark, that's what Jesus does. Jesus was known for telling stories, they're called parables that had a moral truth tied to them. 
And he lived in a day and age when people still sat around and enjoyed each other's company and looked at each other, not at a screen, and told each other stories. And often the stories had a moral truth that was tied to it. And they learned things from the older to the younger, and then also as a crowd, they learned things by stories. And this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, and it's the beginning of Jesus telling a parable. And he tells it to a crowd of people, and his disciples are there, and they're part of this crowd, and they're listening to the story. Sometimes when a parable is told, people miss the truth of the parable. And partway through Mark chapter 4, verses 10 to 12, let me read them for you. Jesus explains this whole thing that sometimes when a parable is told, not everybody understands. He says it this way, when he was alone with his disciples, with those, uh, those around him, with the 12, he asked about the parable. And he, asked, he answered them, they asked about the parable. And he answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they may turn back and be forgiven. If you read that and you look at it, you say, well, it sounds like Jesus is trying to hide the truth. And that's not it. The parables were told in such a way that those who wanted to hear and understand the truth could understand. But those who thought that they had it all together and they understood all things and they knew all things often would miss the truth of the parable, the story that Jesus was telling. And so Jesus says, look, there are those who are going to hear. There's, there's this big crowd, it's like us today, who are listening to the, the tale or the story that's being told. And some come with ears that are open and going, look, God, I need you to speak to me. I need to hear from you. I need to know what it is that you want me to know. I need to know the next step that I need to take in life. And they hear the truth of the parable. But sometimes in a crowd like this, there are people who come who already have their mind made up. Like, God, I've got it all figured out. I'm doing this one for you. I'm here just to, it, it's what I do. I go to church and uh, I already know what's going to be said. They say the same thing every week and it really doesn't matter. So God, whatever, but I'm here. And that's the attitudes of people who are listening. And so this morning I want you to come and I want you to have your ears open to what it is that the Spirit of God wants to say to you and wants to say to me. Now, I want to say something about this parable before we start reading it together. To me, this is one of the scariest parables in the scriptures. Because this parable tells us a story, and the story paints a picture of really three different groups of people who miss what God is trying to say. And really only one group of people who actually hear what God has to say. And often in those three groups of people that miss, there's some of them that think they've got it. And to me, that's really, really scary. So we're going to wander through this parable this morning together. Starts in, in Mark chapter one, I mean, chapter four, verses one through nine. Let's read it. 
says this, again he began to teach by the sea and a very loud crowd had gathered around him. Just know this, that Jesus was a great teacher and people were interested in what he had to say and the crowds gathered to hear him. Now some went because the crowd went. Have you ever noticed that where the crowd gathers, more people gather? That happens, it happens today. This is an event, it's a big event, everybody's excited, let's go see what it's about. Hey, I went to Costco for that reason, remember I told you that last week? It was a big deal, so I went. So he got into a boat on the sea and he sat down. And while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore, he taught them many things in parables, stories. And in his teaching, he said to them, and here it is, listen. It's interesting when Jesus does this often. I'm sorry I stopped again. But Jesus often does this where he stopped. Before he's going to say something, he says, listen, stop. And I think it's important that we do that, that we stop for a minute and we go, oh, hold it. Are my ears and my heart open? Am I ready to hear what it is that God wants to say? And, and, and I think that's why Jesus does that often. He stops and he says, hey, listen to what I'm about. Don't miss this. So don't miss this. Listen. Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and they devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. And when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. And it didn't produce fruit at all. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. And then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Now, notice from the passage, I want to jump through these really quick before we get to the meaning of this. But notice from the passage that a farmer goes out into his field to sow seed. And he encounters four different types of soil as he goes out to sow the seed. I grew up in a farmer's home. I prepared fields. I understand the process of getting ready to sow seed. And there's only really one, one soil that makes it in this story that's worthwhile putting seed in. Otherwise, you're wasting your money. But look at the four. He says this. Number one, there's unprepared soil. It's hard packed. It's where people have walked. It's where events have happened. And the ground is hard packed. And that the seed has no ability to get a foothold. And not only does it not have an ability to get a foothold, it doesn't get covered at all. And the scripture, the story that Jesus gives us says this, that the moment the seed hits the ground, it lays on top of the ground and the birds see it and they're like, hey, free food. And they fly down, they grab it and off they go. Soil number one. Soil number two, rocky ground. Little soil, mostly rocks. The seed gets a chance to take a little bit of a root, but there's nothing to cover up the roots. And so the moment that the seed begins to take root, the sun comes out and it bakes down on that little root that's just starting to get a little bit of life. And guess what happens? The plant dies. It can't make it. It has no ability to get the nourishment that it needs. And so it dies. Soil number three. Also found in the passage. Among the thorns... It says this, some seed was thrown and it landed among the thorns and it took root and it grew and it started to get a foothold, but the thorns were so tight that it choked it off and it was unable to produce any fruit at all. And it was over. There was nothing good that came out of that plant. 
Soil number four, also found in the passage, is this, prepared ground. It's good soil. The soil's been broken. The hard pack is gone. The water can infiltrate the soil. The oxygen can get into the soil. And so when the seed hits the soil, it sinks down in and it takes root. And as it takes root, it gets the, the nutrients that it needs. It gets the sun that it needs and it produces a crop. And if you'll notice the passage, it says that that crop is different for every seed. Some produces 30, some 60, some 100%. It's not all the same, but it all produces something. Because it's nourished and it's growing and it's doing what it's supposed to do. If you notice verse 13, it says this. Jesus says this. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? Jesus stops them and he says, did you understand the story that I just told you? Did you get the point of the story? Did you understand the importance of what it was that I was talking about? And I'm sure some of the disciples were there and they're like, yeah, I got it, God, I got it, Jesus, I understand. And some were like, I'm not so sure. And so Jesus does what he does great. He takes the time to explain the parable and that's what I want to do for the next couple of minutes that we're together. I want you to understand this parable. So Mark chapter four, verses 14 through 20. The sower sows the word, stop. This morning, I'm the sower. And this is what we're sowing. The truth of the Word of God. Anytime the Word of God is open, the seed is being sown. And so Jesus starts and He says this, The sower sows the Word. Some are like the Word that is sown on the path. And when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Others are like the seed sown on rocky ground. And when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But then they have no root. And they are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seed sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word. They welcome it and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. The sower sows the word. Today you are here. And the truth of the word of God is being sown. It's being thrown out onto soil And this morning, you, the people, the people that are here listening to the word, the seed, you are the soil. Let me ask you a question this morning. What type of soil are you? What type of soil have you been? When you hear the word, is your heart prepared 
for what God wants to say to you? What type of soil are you? He goes through and he explains how those hearts respond to the word of God. And I want you to listen to closely because this is the scary part for me. And probably it is for you if you stop and think very long about it. See, the seed is sown to us. And some of us have heard and had the the seed sown. Wow, that's hard to say together. Had the seed sown multiple times. And maybe it's been hundreds of times. But it won't be always. There comes an end. And what we do with that truth, with that seed that is sown, matters for eternity. It's a big deal. And so this morning, as I wander back through these four soils, I want you to be thinking about your, don't think about anybody sitting next to you. Don't think of any of your friends or family who are not here. I want you to think about your heart and the soil of your life and where you are with God. And as that truth is being presented, those seeds are being presented, where are they landing and what is happening? So Jesus says, some people are the hardened path. Some people's hearts, the, so, the, the seed is tossed, the truth is given, and it lands on a hard-packed soil. And when he explains it this time, he says to his disciples, he said, look, it's not the birds, it's Satan who just snatches the truth away from them, and they don't hear it. Because their heart's hard and they're not ready to hear the truth. And the moment that the truth is presented to them, Satan grabs it and he steals it away. And he says, don't hear that. You don't want to know that. And immediately Satan steals the word away from them. Now there's hope for this person. Did you know that God is in the business of breaking up soil? breaking up our hearts? Did you know that God goes out of his way to give us an opportunity to hear and understand the truth? He doesn't just leave us. There are events, and maybe it's you here this morning, there are events that happen in our life where God says, hey, wake up! Where God goes, hold it! I need your attention! Where God has something that goes on in your life and he says, look, I'm the answer, but I need you to see it. Stop! Has he been doing that to you? Has your heart been hard and God is going, look, I need your attention. And he's been using people and circumstances and things in your life to break the hard pack of your heart so that you'll hear the word of God. Soil number one. If we're not careful and we're in soil number one, Satan will snatch the truth away and we have no chance. We have no hope. Soil number two that he explains in this passage is this. It's rocky ground. It's shallow soil. Oh, they hear it and they're happy to hear it. And maybe this is you. It's a relief to hear truth. It's a relief to finally hear somebody say something that has meaning and value and it's truthful. Yes, finally. 
and it's a relief, and it brings joy to my life, and I have an emotional response to the truth, but that's all short-lived, and it doesn't change my heart. It doesn't change my response to everyday situations. It doesn't change the way I live. It doesn't change who I am and who I'm becoming. It's just truth, and I'm happy to hear truth. They don't allow the Word of God to actually take root. And so when life happens, and folks, life will happen. Did you know that? A lot of you have gray hair in this room, and you know that life happens because you've experienced it. Every day, stuff goes on in our lives, and it's not easy. It's difficult, and life happens. And for these folks, when the soil is rocky and it's shallow, life happens, and instead of turning to God, they panic, and they try to figure it out on their own. When the Word of God and life butts heads, instead of turning to God, they turn to themselves. They turn to their own strength and their own ability. By the way, just so you know, the first one was Satan himself snatching the word of God away. The second is the flesh. It's the flesh. It's our pride of life that snatches the word of God away. And the, and the seed doesn't take root and it doesn't start to grow and it produces nothing. It dies. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says. Third type of soil. The third type of soil are those who are living in the thorns. Oh, they hear the truth, but the desires of the world, the riches, the deals, the security, the fun, the adventure, the relationships, snatch away the word of God oh, the word of God is great and I want to hear it and I show up and, and I think it's important and I think truth matters. But man, am I busy. If you only knew all that I have going on. Later in life, I've heard this. I've had people tell me this. I like what God is about. I like what God stands. I like Jesus. Jesus is a great guy. I like what Jesus says. It's all good. But right now, I'm a little too busy. Later, later I'll have some time for that. That's what this is talking about. The third type of soil says this. Look, it gets a little bit of root. It takes a little, the truth is the truth and I get it and I understand it and I give it a little bit of room. But all the thorns of this world take all the nourishment away. And they overcome me and they fill me. And all of a sudden, I don't have time for God. And I don't have time for the truth to actually do what the truth is supposed to do in me. Those three soils, folks, those three hearts, they scare me to death. And especially the last two that we've talked about. Because in their heart of hearts, they believe that God is right. They just don't want to do anything about it. They just don't want to accept. They just don't want to repent. They don't want to say that they need Him and they need to be all in. They just want to play on the fringes of who God is. And they scare me to death. Soil number four that he talks about, and I love this. Soil number four is this. This is broken soil. 
This is a heart that's been prepared. This is a heart that knows that it needs Jesus. I was talking to one of the subs that we had here working, and he and I, we spent a lot of time together, and he was telling me the story of how he came to Jesus. And when he was telling the story, he said, I was strung out on drugs. And I took enough drugs one weekend that I should not be alive, and I knew it. As I finished that last evening of taking drugs, I went to sleep not expecting to wake up, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I said, Jesus, if you don't do something, I will not be around. And I cried out to Jesus, and I cried out to God, and I said, only you can take this, and only you can change this. And that guy, from that day on, threw away the drugs, threw away the alcohol, threw away all the stuff, and God changed his life. We sat in there, tears in my eyes, because of what God did. The soil had been prepared, the heart was broken, and he was ready to do whatever it took to say yes to Jesus Christ, and he did. His life is totally different, totally different, because he yielded to Jesus Christ. He said, yes. And that's what this is talking about. It's talking about a heart that is at a place that says, I can't do this. I know I'm not good enough. I know that no matter how hard I work, I never arrive at the place I need to be. I know that in my best day, I am still sinful at heart. I know with my best motive, I'm still selfish. And God breaks the soil of our hearts so that the seed of the truth of who Jesus is and repenting and asking for his forgiveness can take root in our heart. And then the scripture says this, that when it does, when it takes root, that plant, our life grows in the image of Christ and we produce fruit and we look like Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 say it this way. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sits in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. And he's like a tree that's planted beside flowing streams and it bears its fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither and whatever he does prospers. He says this, look, that one whose heart is open in the soil is ready. When the truth sinks down in, when hard times come, he's got all the nutrients he needs and he grows and he becomes the person that God wants him to be. And when it's rough, he has a drink. And even when it gets, gets really dry, he still produces fruit because he's wrapped up in who God is. Jeremiah 17 says it this way, the person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is in the Lord, is blessed. And he'll be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. The one whose soil has been broken up and the seed has taken root, and God is nourishing that seed through the Holy Spirit. No matter what comes in life, that heart has what it needs to produce fruit in Jesus Christ. What type of soil are you? 
What type of soil have you been? The evidence that I am a Christ follower, the evidence that I am in Christ, that I have yielded my spirit and my heart to Christ is found in the, produ- in the fruit that is produced in me. Did you catch that? The evidence that I am in Christ, the evidence that the spirit of God lives within me, the evidence that the soil of my heart is a place that is rich for the truth of God is found by the fruit that is produced in me. It's not just the words that I say. Folks, all the time people say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christ follower. But if you watch their life, they don't look like anything like Jesus. I'm a Christ follower, but I hate. I'm a Christ follower, but I'm full of bitterness. I'm a Christ follower, but I'm angry at everybody I come in contact with. I'm a Christ follower, but I do my own thing and I'm selfish. The evidence of the fact that I am a Christ follower is found in the fruit of Jesus Christ that is produced in me. And you're sitting here this morning and you're saying to me, well, what is the fruit? What's the fruit that's harvested? What does that look like? If the evidence that I'm a Christ follower is found in the fruit, well, how do I produce fruit and what does it look like? Galatians 5.22 says it this way. But the fruit of the Spirit, why don't you say this with me? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's do that again. Because, folks, we can get all wrapped up about who I am, and I can say all kinds of things about myself. But Scripture is very clear that if I am in Christ, if I am a child of Christ, if this... The, the seed of truth has been planted in me, then the evidence of the growth of that seed of truth is the fruit of the Spirit being produced in my life. And remember, it's not all at the same rate. He said some 30, some 60, some 100. We all grow at different great rates. We're all different. How we understand truth and how that grows in us looks different, but it's gonna grow. It's going to happen. So let's start that verse again. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hey, what's, what's the soil of your heart like? Is there fruit being produced in you? Is the Spirit changing you into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we're yielded to the Spirit of God, and we say yes to Jesus Christ, then the soil of our heart will produce fruit. Are you producing fruit this morning? Or has it been snatched away? Father, would you grant us the courage this morning to take a strong look at our hearts? Would you... Help us to be aware of what those little seeds of truth are doing in us. 
And for those of us who claim to be Christ followers, would it be evident by the fruit that's being produced? By the love, the joy, the patience, the peace, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control that is oozing out of us because we're in you. Give us the courage and the strength to walk with you this day. Help us to say yes to your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. If you want to talk more about this after, we're going to sing a song, but I'll be down front. And if you want to talk more about it, I'd be happy to chat with you.